everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Evil Man. Yeah, you can be mine. Yeah. It's a beautiful day here at Evil Men Stadium. The sun is shining, and all the families. <laughs> Are here to watch the big pod. <laughs> oh, could you imagine the three of us at Sky Dome or Yankee Stadium mm. or you know <sighs> crypto cowboy, cri- yeah, cryptocurrency arena in <laughs> LA? <laughs> Twenty thousand fans screaming our name. Yeah, you know, <laughs> doing the wave as we're doing the intro. And I would hope that the venue, though, and I, I. W- You've painted a beautiful picture. Mm. Maybe I shouldn't say this. I'd hate to go there, but I hope the venue has proper security mm. so that no one sneaks in a weapon or, you know, something to aim at us while we're performing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Mantis down. <laughs> hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for coming to the Sky Dome to see Evil Men Live. <sighs> Keep it going again for ACDC. Weren't they great? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Mantis. <laughs> Oh, shit! (laughs) Popular Canadian podcaster Mantis was murdered tonight at their live show at the Sky Dome. (laughs) Tell ACDC to keep going. (laughs) Yeah, ACDC, do you guys mind doing a few more songs? Mantis was murdered. (laughs) That's the only way, knowing my luck, that I'll actually get some real fame. If I'm murdered, how you're murdered? Yeah, murdered during a live podcast recording in the stadium. <laughs> but be honest, you don't want to go in your sleep, right? You want to go in front of everybody at the Sky Dome. <laughs> yes. Is that I'm how you cool. envision you're going to kick the bucket someday, Mike? Being murdered? Um, in front of thousands of people? Yeah. Honestly, it sounds silly, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess I could see it. Yeah, do you never. Wanna, yeah, do you? How often do you get the death you want? You know what I mean. That's true. I mean, we probably should think about it. It's going to happen someday. You, you probably should try to like come up with a strategy for a how cool, to have the ideal yeah. way to croak. How do you want to go? Do you want? Uh, I, let me guess, James. You want to just pass away in your sleep uh, uh, in the winter time on maybe a Tuesday night. Well, I'm not too concerned about the season or the day of the week, but I mean, okay. dying in your sleep does seem pretty good. I'd like, mm. I definitely like to go like that. You know what I mean? You're just right. like, hey, life is good. <laughs> oh. Here's my impression of someone dying in their sleep. <laughs> oh, that sounds pretty good. Right? Yeah. You know how I'd like to die? All of our Patreon members. Yeah. Especially the ones who use Discord. Yep. They're at the bottom of a cliff. Okay. <laughs> and? And I'm butt naked. <laughs> okay. And I jump off the cliff. Yeah. And uh, all, my whole body explodes into bits and rains down on them. Oh, you know, that could be As like a, a present. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That could oh, be a tier of the Patreon, you yeah. know, like... Seven dollars a month. Yeah, seven dollars a month. You get two bonus episodes a month and access to the Discord. Mm -hmm. And maybe I don't know, five hundred dollars a month. You get to be there for Chris's death, like death. Yeah, and you get to that. Actually, sounds that scares me. (laughs) (laughs) I joked too hard, too dark. This is not legally binding. Um, you know how like Big Bird has the like. Most famous snore, I think. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Like, how does yeah. it go? That sounds right. It'd be funny to uh, a Sesame Street episode where the camera camera slowly pans in on Big Bird snoring, and then you see <laughs> Big Bird dying asleep. Like, Doesn't every episode end like that? Yeah, yeah. They just go to a pet store and get another Big Bird. And then Snuffleupagus is like, "Hey, Big, oh shit!" Have you ever seen the very first? episode of Sesame Street that was, I think, 1969 or 70? No. Big Bird was orange, I believe. Wow. Oh, I think I've seen That's original a, Big Bird for sure. And Oscar imagine? was a different color as well. What? And when you watch it, you're like, this doesn't work at all. That's not Oscar. Yeah. Psychedelic for the 60s, mm-hmm. maybe. There's just all sorts of different colors. Yeah. Yeah. And the Sesame Street song was done. It had the F word in it. <laughs> yeah. And it Can was you done tell on a sit- me how to fucking get... <laughs> How to get to fucking Sesame It was done on a sitar. <laughs> yeah, it was really inspired by uh, t- Open your Tomorrow Never Knows. Mind. <laughs> Go to Sesame Street one time. <laughs> and in the first episode also, there was a segment where um, Jim Morrison urinated on uh, Bernie, uh, Ernie, and Bert. Bert. Ernie. <laughs> Bernie. <laughs> oh, Bernie, yeah. Bernie Sanders was... Uh, Ernie and Bert used to be member. one guy named Bernie. <laughs> And then they separated him. Yeah. When I was two. a child, I didn't uh, pronounce the name the, of the character Grover properly, and I called him Sibber. That's crazy. When I was like two. That's not, way too different than two, Grover. I was like two. I think I still had a bit of a, yeah. a, a extra piece of skin on my tongue that my parents didn't know about yet. Is that true? Uh, yes, I had to have an operation when I was two. What? To have an extra piece. Of, they ch- they check a baby when it's born to make sure it's like I've never heard of- in good condition. Right, and except I for you, went two years, and then my mom noticed that I was like, I sounded all fucked up when I talked, and then brought me to the doctor, and they found that I had like a piece of skin holding my tongue back, so I couldn't pronounce Ew. certain words. It's like a David Cronenberg movie. Is this and then they like cut, a, uh, hung, a Slovak? Or a, no, no, it's a tradition. Yeah, <laughs> it's a tradition of your background <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to let <laughs> to let to, to wait two years until your son starts talking like an idiot, um, and they had to. Cut it out of my tongue so I could speak normally. This explains why, to this day, you're so obsessed with enunciating perfectly. But when I listen... when It must have been traumatizing for a two-year-old. When I'm editing, I do hear myself slurring my speech and and talking too quickly. There's no way. Mike, Mm -mm. you are the most clear speaker on this podcast. Definitely. Bar none. I'm the slurrier. (laughs) I I think I speak the fastest, which I try to rein in. Because you're always doing something just before we hit record. Yeah, cocaine. We, yes. <laughs> I didn't want to go there, but yeah. I think I speak for everyone when I say, um, I forget. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining Mike with a with a flap of skin Imagine on his me. tongue. Imagine me. I'm, I'm opening my mouth right now. Imagine if there was all sorts of extra skin in there. I don't even think of a tongue as having skin. I mean, I guess yeah. it does, but... It certainly does. Wow. And back then, weird. you weren't even called Mike yet. You were still called Second Son. Second Son. Now, <laughs> Mike, had you ever thought about... I don't want to get too crude, but... No, please. If you had this skin thing, I mean, what if going down on people... On you, people? Well, it's like a room, uh, a room uh, full of people. <laughs> I'm trying to be inclusive. <laughs> Let's see. You know, if you had left that flap of skin, maybe you yeah. would have been like the world's greatest... 
Same. female, you know, cunnilingist <laughs> or whatever. I wish you had more skin, like big Michael boy. did. Like Michael, you like should, Second Son yeah, did. Some some woman's with a guy, and she's like, "Yawn, you don't have a flap of yeah. skin like Michael has." I'm only into flappies. <laughs> Your tongue is just perfect, which is boring. <laughs> but yeah, I would have been extra good at cunnilingus, and I would have, I would, but I would have also talked like a dumb moron. Mm. I would have sounded very Which might have stupid. made it difficult to get to the point that you were doing. <laughs> I wonder if your parents ever considered, like, should we leave that flap in there? Like, think about... Oh, apparently my dad was pissed when he found out that my mom had it removed. Oh, really? <laughs> Is that true? No. <laughs> oh, man. Never knew about this flap of skin. Yeah, I've got extra flaps, and oh, you'd be surprised where I have them. Actually, now that I think about it, I've been over at your place, and you've said... Mm-hmm. Uh, Hey, want to see a flap of skin? And he opened a drawer and pulled out a sort of big, flat, red blob. Yeah. Was that yeah. what that was? Yes, it was. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you kept... Okay. Yeah, it's like a... Speaking of Cronenberg, it's like a scene from The Fly. Yes. Mm. Just little pieces of you in the uh, medicine cabinet. <laughs> wow, that's neat. Did either Good you, revelation. Thank you. I feel, I feel lighter. I feel better. Do either, did you, either of you have a piece of skin or anything removed when you were born? I had part of my penis removed because uh, it was too big. So now, unfortunately, it's only 12 inches. Chris! So, so as a what? baby, the doctor was like, you've got to rein this thing in. Yeah. The doctor was depressed. Was too much to handle he was like, for oh, anyone. Shit. Yeah. My dick is not like that. <laughs> See? Look. Miss, <laughs> take a look. See? Mine's smaller than his. <laughs> the doctor pulls his pants down yeah. in front of the family. Here, I'll show you how good his dick is. Look at mine. It's even I look like the freaking Statue of David over here. <laughs> I quit medicine now. <laughs> Honey, All those years of medicine and my penis is still the same piece of crap. <laughs> Honey, how was your day at work? Uh, I quit. Why? Because the uh, baby had a huge penis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what happened to me. Wow, that's neat. Have I, have I had anything removed? Uh, well, I had my tonsils out. And I had my adenoids removed, really? you know, yeah. Um, I had my wisdom teeth. Oh, I've had my wisdom teeth out. Really? I had mine out in my late teens. Wow. I had mine out in my early 20s. Oh, shit. I still have. Get that crazy. Tylenol 3? Get that Tylenol That's what 3. I, re- I remember about that. I remember lying in bed, playing Grand Theft Auto 3, <laughs> and on a, being on a Tylenol 3. Lying that was my bed, recovery. Yeah, <laughs> Playing Grand Theft Auto when I was 18. <laughs> Did it, did it hurt after? Because I yeah, mine never came in, and they were never removed. My wisdom teeth. So you had a fucking flap in there. You didn't have wisdom teeth. You're a wow. man from yeah. the future. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need those teeth anymore. But you know, we need an extra skin on the tongue. You know oh, the old actually, saying though: hmm. when God, t- when God removes a flap, he opens um, fap a fap. <laughs> yeah. Do you have pinky toes? Yes, and I have a gigantic big toe. Oh, I want to see it. <laughs> I mean, can you hang on to like a cliff by just your big toe? I probably could. You have a big. Pin- what do they say, Chris? Big pinky toe. It's not big penis. That's no feet. big sailor's delight. Big pinky toe. <laughs> uh, big pinky toe. Maybe the head of the penis is big. No, but know. it's not a pinky Mike toe. Is, His Mike's main. What's the big toe? It's a big toe. <laughs> That is fucking big. Wow. Mike just took off his shoes Damn, and socks. Damn, what the fuck? And this is crazy. No joke. Mike's feet aren't small, but they're not notably big. They're kind of medium. But that, that, but toe that toe is, like is the fucking size of a huge. Fist. 
Mike's that big toe, toe looks giant. like the heads of Krang and Korg from The Simpsons. And there's a little bit of yes. those aliens. Yes, yeah. dude. That's, is that what their names are? It must be hard to buy shoes. Yeah, my life is a nightmare with this toe. Is the other one the same? <laughs> it was very small. No, no, they're, <laughs> they're both the same size. Yeah. Is it true yeah. that people that work at shoe stores scream when say, you try on a shoe? They say he's back. Run. Yeah. Oh, that neat to see, Mike. Thank you. No, it's my pleasure to show uh, <laughs> you guys my toe. Yeah, it's big. Just yeah, to let everyone know, listening, it's it's big. He's not she lying. Big. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Huh. That was fun for me. That was fun. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Evil Men is the biggest gateway into knowing anything about Mike that's ever existed on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Every episode now, there's like a crazy new revelation <laughs> well, about. Mike, yeah, Mike has a, uh, so many mysteries. I mean, flat Not, out, but slowly coming We're out. Learning them. We're would collecting you, them in this each volume of Evil Men. Would you guys say that I'm an international man of mystery? I would say that you should change your name to Enigma. Oh, oh, well, this is a good. Segue. Why do we know someone else named that? Yes, brilliant segue, Chris. Um, so I was just following Mike's lead. Well, I, I love it. Um, and we wanted to talk about this week. Um, we got a very bad review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, we and we did. we wanted to try to do an emergency podcast about it, but we couldn't. We did. Could, we weren't able to. We're busy guys. But um, do you want me to read you the review we got? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here we go. It's not. It's not pretty though. Yeah, but there's a lot of layers to this review. To this review, and there's actually a. A, a, a mystery to it that would rival something you'd hear on Serial. And yes. the person who wrote it is calling themselves... Enigma. Spelled E-N space, I-G space, M-A space. It, oh, so it's Enigma. It's chilling. Mm. Yeah. Yikes. And that's also the name of the Riddler from Batman? I think yes. Edward. So this might be the fucking Toronto Riddler. Oh, crap. Well, we have a Toronto Batman, so hopefully he finds him. Yeah. Um... So this, so he, um, the first thing he writes is two barf, two green sick faces, and then a barf face. They're not pleasant to look at. No, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people like evil men. So, like, no one's ever told me this podcast makes them barf. Mm. Yeah. So first of all, I'm already being like, well, you got a problem if you're barfing from <laughs> so fun. The <laughs> guy puts his AirPods in, and he presses play, and next he's like, oh, they're laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He writes, um, he gives it one star out of five. Oh, God. And he goes, uh, no symbol for less than one star. If this is today's humor, we are in a bad way. And we are today's humor, 100%. That's what we set out to be. Yeah. Right, guys? Absolutely. We literally had a board meeting and made our mission statement as clear as day. We and are today's evil humor. Evil men, today's humor. And what's, our, what's, the chant? what's the chant we say before we press record? We all put our hands down on each other and we go... We are today's, we are today's humor. humor. <laughs> Evil men, today's humor today. <laughs> he goes on to say, if these if these guys are the quote funniest comedians Canada has to offer, Pause. we are okay. Yeah. Where did he hear that? Because that is very nice. Yeah. If he heard that from anybody of you who listen to this podcast, and I know we have listeners, that's so nice. Very so nice. thanks for spreading that. But apparently it got to this guy, and he thought, we'll see about that. Mm. I might barf when I listen. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are claiming to be the funniest comedians in Canada. 
Uh, he says, if these guys are the, quote, funniest comedians Canada has to offer, we are screwed. Also, I've never thought of myself as something the country of Canada has to offer. <laughs> you don't think of yourself as an export? No, I never thought of myself as, uh, yeah, produce on the shelf of Canada's grocery store. Canada pr- produces wheat, oil, maple syrup, and Chris Locke. Also, we are screwed. Is this like it's a matter of national security? Mm. Oh God! Look at the state of Canada. <laughs> yeah, the funniest comedians they have to offer make me barf. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is a dumbass fucking loser. <laughs> like a real dumb person. Um, <clears throat> he goes on to say. I made it almost to 15 minutes, and I'm sad to say it's time I won't get back. Well, then you don't know the podcast, honey. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're just getting going at 20 also, minutes. You must, yeah, that's right. The first 15 minutes are nonsense. And also, you just it, you spent 20 minutes writing this review, fucker. <laughs> you're worried about 15 minutes you wasted listening. James, Why'd you write down. a review? Yeah, your dumb, stinky ass makes me want to barf. <laughs> If you're the best reviewer Canada has to offer, we're in trouble. Uh, the last thing he says is, uh, has all the political correctness led us to this? How sad. First of all, every episode, I feel like I'm on the brink of being canceled because I say such no- unfettered nonsense that I can't even like keep track. Yeah. Uh, also, have we ever like <laughs> not been joking around and been like, this is a serious stance on some sort of like hot topic? Like, no, we're literally being silly twenty four seven. It yes, it's, we love everybody, and we don't. We're not hate. Like, we don't. It feels be embarrassing to be like we're not politically correct because it's sort of a that's tacky the thing. thing like, to I'm not say, saying, but, but we're not, obviously not. <laughs> yeah. We talk about jizzing literally every episode. Yeah. Or eating ass. Yeah. Well, definitely eating ass. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And the, the tone of it, it does strike me like when I read it. And we I only talk of... about eating white guys' asses, <laughs> which is kind of racist. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I had to get that out. No, it's good. Um, <laughs> the tone of it reminds me of like uh, like a Don Cherry or like a Toronto Sun uh, yeah. columnist. Like mm. all this political correctness is ruining yeah. the culture. What? Mm-hmm. Come on! I haven't listened to it, but I know. Also, yeah. the joke of like, that's time I'll never get back. Like, what? What is this? Did he say that? Yeah, those fifteen minutes. Also, he used that line in another well, podcast this is review. What, can I get okay, to this so now? Here is one of the twisties. Here, here's where it gets a twist. Where it's we're going. Okay, who is this enigma, and what is he? His game here. Yes. There's a comedy friend of ours named Paul Bates who is brilliant, hilarious. And has his own podcast also on Sonar Network, which might be a connector for this irate gentleman. That's right. But we're not sure. But so, yeah. Sorry, Paul Bates tweeted Chris and and posted that this same man, Enigma, left a review for him. And Enigma's review for Paul Bates was one star. The headline was, what the hell? (laughs) And his his review says... I listened to 17 minutes of the first episode. Well, congratulations to Paul for getting two more minutes out of <laughs> yeah. this genius. Now get this. <laughs> That's 17 minutes I'll never get back. Ah, oh, ah, the ah, using the same lines on both of us. I feel like 
you know, also, aren't we special to Live a real life, dude, if you value each minute so hard. <laughs> like Anything under an hour, I think you can't use that line. Like, that's time I'll never get yeah. back. Like, 15 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, like, you wait longer than 15 minutes just to pay a fucking uh, fee at the driver's no. thing. No, no get this. <laughs> I don't know. Do you ever wait in a line? You know what I mean? Like, but. Get this. Paul says yeah. that when this review was made, he had only posted a two-minute trailer. Yeah. So Enigma is lying. This is he didn't what, listen to 17 minutes. I mean, it. this is... Yeah. And here's another... The, the mystery about Enigma yeah. is why are they a hater? Exactly. Because be, be, And liar. My guess is he might have listened to our podcast and hated it. Definitely possible. But his thing about politically correct, saying that it's politically correct, makes me think, I don't think you listened to us either. That would not be the first thing you would say if you listened yeah. to this. So this enigma is going around to local podcasts <laughs> and leaving them bad reviews. Why? Why? Who are you, Enigma? What is your game, Enigma? What are you doing? If anyone listening has any clues or information as to the real identity of Enigma, yeah. please get in touch with us. Here's some more clues. Kind of like reiterating, let's put all the clues together. Mm. Both Paul and ours podcast is on Sonar, Sonar Network. Network. So it could be a disgruntled ex-Sonar employee. Either mm-hmm. podcaster themselves. Yeah. Or, and they probably think they're the funniest person. Yeah. Maybe. Or maybe an employee. Or he hates us personally and, and somehow also hates Paul Bates. But yeah. Paul is extremely nice. Paul is 100% more likable than us. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that adds to the mystery big time. He's got an axe to grind against maybe Sonar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And wonder, yeah. I wonder who it could be. If it is a he, it's Enigma. Oh. I wonder if he views himself as like... As a Riddler type figure, does he wear all green? Does he have a costume? Does yeah. he roam the streets at night? I love the idea yeah. of him being on a lamppost all in green tights, leaving one star reviews on podcasts. Yeah. Just to cause trouble. And it reminds me of how, you know, how Jack the Ripper used to taunt the police or like mm-hmm. was it the um, the Zodiac killer would also mm-hmm. taunt the police with mm-hmm. these yeah. clues and these letters around. What Enigma's doing reminds me of that. Yeah, me too. If someone like, from just reading the two reviews that we've read so far, if someone like Enigma wanted to actually come approach us with like a balaclava on and like a big knife and maybe some rope Mm -hmm. and they wanted to kill us like the Zodiac Killer or like Jack the Ripper, I can just tell by the way that the uh, reviews are written that they wouldn't be able to kill us they would screw up and embarrass themselves <laughs> and fall and fart and barf. Yeah. And <laughs> the knife would stab into themselves because they tripped over their own rope that they wanted to tie us up in. And their balaclava would probably have sauce all over the mouth part of it. <laughs> because they seem like a really big fucking loser that sucks <laughs> shit and like literally has the worst life ever and literally lives with their grandma and they spend all the time in their basement bedroom and it just stinks like cum socks and farted on <laughs> pajama bottoms. Like... Pajama bottoms with like their favorite like football team on it. You know what I mean? Like just really, it's a really dumb person. You know, Enigma. If you're listening, your days are numbered. We will find you, 
and we will punish you. Beep, beep. <laughs> Before we get to our evil man, we should mention that we have a Patreon account. You can find it at patreon.com slash evilmen. And if you sign up, you, uh, you know, it's a small amount of money, really mm-hmm. hardly anything. Mm-hmm. And you get two bonus episodes a month at minimum. You also get to chat with us on there and you get access to the Evil Man Discord, which is like a big chat room. And uh, Chris and I are in there. Mike hasn't been in there much yet, but he's going to work on it. He's yes. going to be in there more. He's busy, guys. He's All busy. Right? He's busy. Um, so uh, check it out. Patreon.com. Evil Men. If you like the podcast, uh, you'll love what we put on there. Um, also, we're back in Sophia's warehouse for her incredible uh, gift basket company that is just cleaning up here in Ontario called um, Present, Present Day, Day Gifts. Gifts. And you can go on presentdaygifts.ca. And she was even uh, nice enough. Sophia gave us uh, to give to you. Um, what's a it promo called? Code. A promo code. <laughs> uh, I, I almost said pass code. Promo code. <laughs> Evil men, all cap uh, capitals, all together. Evil men for ten percent off. And uh, James, didn't your sister get one? And she loved my it? my sister. Yes, I think she was she either one? going to or intended to. But uh, <laughs> so uh, well, now she can use this promo. Code, now she evil can men. use a promo yes. code. She didn't. Yeah. Sorry, I thought she but did. But yeah, uh, we we love uh, Sophia. She's letting us record in her yeah. basically office warehouse area, and uh, we're seeing her gift baskets here and they Beautiful. look amazing. We're definitely staring at her stock. Yeah. Yes. And it's highfalutin. Yeah. So, so yeah. these are beautiful gift uh, baskets. Present Day Gifts is doing awesome. Like I said, they're cleaning up and you can give your boss or your lover, mo- your lover um, or be my lover. You can be like, <laughs> you can be Christ-like and send one to your rival, to your enemy. Sure. Or you can also be Christ-like and send a gift basket to a man on the street. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure people living on the street could use a Some nice mustard. jar of mustard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Promo code Evil Men. Go to the website presentdaygifts.ca. Hey, this Dijon mustard is perfect for my cigarette butt. Is this Coslix? <laughs> it is though it is good stuff it is very high quality so thank you Sophia and thank you present day gifts we love you so Michael 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 oh Michael 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 it's my understanding that uh, you chose the evil man this week that's right Mr. Neeson I did <laughs> um, I, it is my turn you know um, yep. and I, th- I thought long and hard about it, and I decided to pick a guy who's actually in the news a bit these days. Can I, can I try one? Sure. Michael. How do you do it? Oh, I wasn't <laughs> even going into this thinking, Liam yeah. Neeson, but like, we can no. do it. Like, no. Mike. Michael, you're Michael. a man. Michael, you're a man of many skills. I'm I want to try a different kind of guy. Is, is doing the evil man this week? Are you doing the evil man, Michael? Yes, Michael, I'm... why don't you share who the evil man is with all of us? <laughs> Peaky Blinders. (laughs) I'm so bad at that accent. No, that was good. Peaky Blinders. I bet you'll get a role in the Peaky Blinders movie with that accent. I hope so. Peaky Blinders, Canada. I've watched all of Peaky (laughs) Blinders. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Mike, you're you're evil man. 
Thank you, James. Yes, I picked the evil man this week, and he's a guy who's sort of in the news, um, but he's famous for something that happened quite a long time ago, and of course I'm talking about John Hinckley Jr. Mm. Oh, yeah. Famous, of course, for uh, his attempted assassination of President Ronald Reagan in 1981. Oh, Nancy, I was going to do the same <laughs> do it, thing. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Take turns, guys. Uh, Nancy, I think I just got shot. Is that how he sounds? <laughs> uh, Nancy, there's a jelly bean in me. <laughs> That's not a jelly bean, Ronald. It's a bullet. Uh, Mr. Gorbachev, shoot me in the liver. <laughs> the, Mr. Lung, the lung. Mr. Gorbachev, take this bullet out of my body. <laughs> Nancy, I like jelly beans. <laughs> I know you do, Ronald. <laughs> that perfect... And that's a wrap for this episode. <laughs> anyway, we're going to have a lot of fun, I can tell, with our Ronnie Reagan I, we're uh, impersonations. Silly today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John Hinckley. So he saw Ronald Reagan and was like, you know what? He was like, fuck this. Um, no, so yes, he is, he's infamous for uh, very nearly killing Ronald Reagan in 1981, a mere two months into his first term as president. Can I just say, too, if and anyone here has listened past 15 minutes to any Evil Men episode, <laughs> I just want you to know that the Evil Men hosts, me, James, Mike, we never want anyone to die. Agreed. That's right. That's Even correct. if we make a joke. Agreed. <laughs> Even if we make it's some true. jokes. It's true. So Hinckley, um, aside from being an attempted killer, he's also a musician, and he, he tried to kill Reagan famously to impress Jodie Foster, with whom he was obsessed at the time. Uh, he also wounded in the shooting a police officer, a Secret Service agent, and uh, permanently disabled press secretary James Brady. Fuck. During the attack. Damn, you don't hear about James Brady as often. I was just thinking that, because I, I sort of thought, ah, didn't seem like a lot of harm happened here, but... That's pretty bad. Oh, it was like a bee sting. Yeah. Well, but James Brady, like permanently paralyzed, that's pretty hardcore. Yep. I've right. definitely like watched the footage of the yes. day. Yeah. It was a rainy day too to make it's it worse. Pretty creepy. Oh, I hate a yeah. rainy day. If you're gonna get shot, do it on a beautiful sunny yeah. day. That's what I would say. Bulletproof you know, umbrellas. You yeah. know, you get home and you have you, you have to take your pants and shirt off because it's wet, and then you go, should I have a shower? I'm cold. That's Nancy, more water. My clothes are wet, and I got shot in the lung. <laughs> um. <laughs> a oh. terrible rainy day. <laughs> um, so let, let's get into this. John yeah, Hinckley Jr. Um, so John Warnock Hinckley Jr. Sounds like Warlock, but War- Warnock. Mm, I'm a bit scared now. Yeah. Um, he was born in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Uh, at the age of four, he moved with his family to Dallas, Texas. And he came from a, a wealthy family. His father, John Hinckley, was the chairman and president of the Vanderbilt Energy Corporation. So they were. So he's rich as hell. Very wealthy, yes. What kind of energy does Vanderbilt do? Like big um, things? Um, they, <laughs> I think it was oil. Yes, they're, but they're still oh, right We Texas. do big uh, things. <laughs> uh, dot, 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 things. Um, and uh, yes, so born in Oklahoma, moved to Texas where his dad was an oil man. Mm. Uh, Hinckley grew up in the town of University Park, Texas, and he attended Highland Park High School in Dallas County. Um, so there's not <laughs> a lot of info about Hinckley's like, early years or adolescence. Um, what I did find was that he was like an okay student, and he played basketball and football. Hey, that's cool. But then he became withdrawn 
as high school progressed, that's and not cool. He lost interest in sports and friends, Just oh. and instead would sort of hold himself away in his bedroom, playing guitar and listening to to music. In his bedroom, when he was uh, isolating himself, uh, oh, becoming like Sean. a sort of agoraphobic hermit character, mm-hmm. was he? Reviewing podcasts under a mysterious <laughs> name by any chance? Or? I couldn't find any evidence of that, but I wouldn't put it past this guy. This all this episode is also uh, the Enigma episode, episode yeah. as well. It's <laughs> too bad uh, video games weren't around, because if this guy's stuck in his room all the time, he could have been having a great time with Nintendo Switch or PlayStation 5. Absolutely. He could well, have you heard any of his music? Gamer. I have. And we'll get oh, no, to you that. shared a song with us, and it was... Yes. Really good. We'll get to that. We'll get to his music stuff later. But um, this is like, yeah, he was always interested in music. A loner. And he played musician. music. And you know, I, I can identify with him. I spent a lot of time um, alone with my guitar from the age of like 12. And all through high school, I was obsessed with playing guitar as well. So you, That's how you got big forearms. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was you in your room playing your guitar with your big ass fucking toes. <laughs> And your and your scar and your tongue from a flap getting removed. Yeah, you didn't even know that you were supposed to use your fingers on a guitar. No, you're using your toe to pick it. My toes and then just licking the uh, piano with my <laughs> big tongue. Um, <laughs> after uh, he graduated from high school in 1974, Hinckley's family that owned now the Hinckley Oil Company, so they've got their own damn thing. His family moved to Evergreen, Colorado, where the new company headquarters was located. He sort of went to university. He off and on went to Texas Tech University from 1974 to 1980. For a laugh. For a laugh. He couldn't, he couldn't be bothered. He couldn't focus. Mm. Um, ADD. Neuro- neurodivergent. Absolutely. And in 1975, he sort of dropped out of school a bit and went to live in L.A., hoping to pursue Sick. a career as a professional songwriter didn't really pan out for him. Oh. Um, he wasn't successful. Did he not have the drive of like a regular person that has to like actually worry about uh, what the rest of their life is going to be like? Well, <laughs> it's weird because he, you know, there are, there's, he's not the first rich kid who wanted to work in the arts. Um, there seem to be mm-hmm. a lot of them. Let's hope there are more going forward in the future. But he <laughs> couldn't quite get it together. I think Graham Parsons was like a rich kid who actually succeeded on his own musical merit right from the definitely flying burrito brothers good guy john hinckley is no graham parsons <laughs> i'm not yeah i'm not you know uh, biased uh, towards rich people uh, it's uh, just uh, funny there are just probably good ones and bad ones exactly and we'll never know which is which yes they don't let us know they don't let the peasants know <laughs> um so during this time while he's struggling to establish not himself do much as a songwriter yeah, so I'm sure he, could de- he could dedicate all of his time to songwriting because he didn't have to worry about money, I think. Um, he was writing these letters to his parents back home, telling them how badly things were going and asking for money. He also made up the fact that he had a girlfriend, a woman named Lynn Collins, who turned out to be fake. And he would tell them that they were going on vacation together, that they were having arguments. And sorry, he was telling this to his friends or parents? His parents. But there is a Lynn Collins. The, the female preacher. From the James Brown, uh, yeah, era. yeah, think, <laughs> think, isn't that the one? Yeah, come on, down so that's pretty down. pathetic. Yeah. No, no offense to anyone who's done this, but so you're saying, yeah, mom, uh, I got a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, we had a big fight last night, and all he's really doing is just we have really reviewing good podcasts. We have a hot time in bed together, mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, it's funny when you make up a girlfriend and the relationship's not going well. <laughs> 
He's making up arguments. Yeah. She thinks I'm, I'm mad at Lynn Collins right now, Mom. <laughs> why do you always say Lynn Collins? <laughs> yeah, why do you say Lynn? So, yeah. Um, in September of 76, he returned home to his parents uh, where they lived in Evergreen, Colorado, and he drifted around over the next few years, living in California, then Texas again. Um, then, in 1976... He saw a little film called Taxi Driver, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro, scored by Bernard Herrmann, the famous composer, and also co-starring Jodie Foster, importantly. Now, the movie with it coined the phrase, you talking to me. You talking to me. Yeah. Are you talking to me? There's no one else here, so you must be talking to me. (laughs) Taxi Driver Canada. Yeah. Are you talking to me? No, seriously, are you? <laughs> no, seriously, are you? I forgot to bring my glasses and I can't fucking tell. You might be talking to someone else. <laughs> that honestly seems like a line of dialogue from the Pentaveret, the Mike Myers uh, show. So we've all seen Taxi Driver, famous movie. Uh, yeah. Briefly, it's about a disenfranchised Vietnam vet, Travis Bickle. Who... My favorite part in Taxi Driver mm-hmm. is when... Um, I was... Let me just finish. <laughs> I'm just so excited. By the way, listeners, if you think I'm being a real interrupty, I had a coffee. I'm sorry. I'm a little hyper. Chris is full of Java. Sorry, Mike. No, I'm All just... respect ex- due to the God. I was just, I was just explaining the, the plot of Taxi Driver. My favorite part is... <laughs> uh, Travis Pickle, Vietnam vet, becomes a cabbie in New York City. He wants to save a young prostitute... Uh, played by Jodie Foster from her life and her pimp. And he also tries to impress Sybil Shepard, who's working for a senator who's running for president. He wants to kill this senator to impress her. Uh, Hinckley saw the film 15 times. Written by Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader. A demented screenwriter. Yes. But good screenwriter. He wrote Raging Bull as well. And have you seen Hardcore with George C. Scott? No, but you've described it and it sounds really (laughs) funny. Have you seen no, I Raging Bull or no, I, Hardcore? I, I, or? I, 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 I haven't. He did, yeah. That, you know you like a movie when you see it 15 times. I like, don't think I've seen any movie I was thinking, times. I think I've probably seen Dumb and Dumber 15 times. I think I've probably seen Ace Ventura 15 times. And I've probably seen uh, Home Alone and Christmas Vacation. Those are probably the four I've seen 15 times. It'd be amazing if there was a psycho stalker whose thing was that he had seen Christmas Vacation 15 <laughs> times and tried to kill the president. Hey, Clark, the shitter was full. I know every line. Um, Spaceballs, too. I've seen Spaceballs 15 times. They call him the Spaceballs Killer. <laughs> I'm a mog. Half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. <laughs> Imagine a psycho killer watched Dumb and Dumber 15 times and he wanted to like kill someone with a snowball fight <laughs> from that scene. <laughs> Paul Schrader also wrote uh, American a bunch of stuff. Affliction. Remember that one? The with uh, Nick Nolte. Yeah. He's written a, a lot in the present in the since the 70s and 80s that are not that popular. So So... Oh, American Gigolo he did, too. And Blue Collar. So Taxi Driver involves a crazy fucking guy who wants to impress a woman (laughs) by killing a presidential candidate. candidate. That's in the movie Taxi Driver. Yes, and Hinckley's interest in Taxi Driver then turned into an obsession with Jodie Foster, the real-life actress who was 12 at the time the movie came out. Was she? Or something like that. Holy crap. Oh, I wonder how old she actually was. She might not have been that young. But she was young. Well, she was under she 18 looked like a, oh, was she? when okay. he saw it. Yeah. I see. She, she certainly looked like a child in yeah. the movie. 
Definitely. In 1979, Hinckley buys his first gun. Uh, and he started building a uh, nice collection of firearms over the coming years and spent some time practicing uh, shooting. It wasn't it was the greatest marksman in the end. Um, and he was also struggling psychologically around this time. Started taking antidepressants and sedatives. And he wrote a letter to his sister around this time where he said, My nervous system is shot. I take heavy medication for it, which doesn't seem to do much good. So he's not Damn. in a good place mentally. At least he's trying, though. Yeah. It's too bad that there wasn't the online therapy service BetterHelp back then. Yes. Or or um, if his nervous system is shot, he <laughs> might be drinking too much coffee and he might want to look into mud water. Whenever mud I've water. been watching YouTube lately, I've got about yeah, 5,000 ads for mud water. What the hell is mud water? It's some loser guy being like, coffee's bad for you, so try this mud water. And it's got all this shit in it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like some drink. It makes me, my stomach hurt. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite scene in Taxi Driver is when he pulls up and rolls down the window and goes to Sybil Shepherd. Hey, get into my taxi. We're going to go watch a porno. <laughs> right? Yes. Does, I, the, I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, Do they watch a porno? I forget. He yeah, brings he her on takes a date. Because he oh, heard that right, the movie's theater, really right? good. Yeah. But he, and that's all he knows because he's an airhead moron. So, yeah, like Robert De Niro's kind he's of not a an dumb airhead moron, guy. But, <laughs> but he's like weird. Mm-hmm. And he takes a girl on a date and he thinks, it's normal to take a girl to a porno theater. And yeah. then Sybil Shepherd's like, this is the this is a if, dating nightmare story right I now. I would yeah, never she take... leaves and goes and yeah. tells Albert Brooks. Yeah. Oh, I would okay. never take Sybil Shepherd to a porno theater in Times Square. Neither would I. How come uh, John uh, Hinckley didn't want to impress Sybil Shepherd? Yeah, that's a fucking... So, yeah. That is that a funny was like, thing. Are you watching the same movie, bro? Yeah. As me? Yeah. <laughs> I guess he liked, he liked him a little on the young side, like so many famous musicians in, uh, yeah. in history. I'm that's... talking about Gary Glitter, Michael Jackson. Um, yeah. So in Taxi Driver, Travis Bickle, played by Robert De Niro, yeah, he plots to assassinate a presidential candidate, and the character of Travis Bickle was partly based on the diaries of Arthur Bremer, who attempted to assassinate the Alabama governor, George Wallace, in 1972. George Wallace was an extreme racist, segregationist guy, and he was paralyzed in this incident. Whoa. George Wallace was? George Wallace was, hmm. yeah. Later became later disavowed his racist beliefs. Anyway, hmm. Hinckley was infatuated with Jodie Foster, um, who played the 12-year-old prostitute Iris, and when Jodie Foster went to Yale University... Guess who moved to New Haven, Connecticut for a short time to be close to her and stalk her? This is creepy. Okay, I'm going to say not Yakov Smirnoff, okay? I'm saying it's probably Chris? Mr. Hinkley. Yes, you got it. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. John Hinckley Jr. Uh, moved to be around Yale to stalk Jodie Foster. He was uh, sending her love letters and romantic poems. He would call her all the time and leave messages. He actually That's got nice, her. right? Well, he thought so. He got her on the phone twice, actually, and she was like, I am not interested in you. And she was like 17 or 18 at the time. He went so far, and this is creepy, he enrolled in a writing course at Yale in 1980 after reading that uh, she was there. Interesting. Well, uh, that's scary. So he didn't get really to... Also, Jodie Foster is just not interested. She wasn't interested. He's barking up the wrong tree also, which is oh, also right, very funny. Jodie Foster is a lesbian. Because of the lengths that yeah. he went to to impress her, not knowing that 
he he never stood a chance with her. Is it confirmed no. that Jodie Foster is a lesbian, or is it just sort I of a, it a Hollywood she thing? Alluded to it at a Golden Globe speech, but she's always with her wife in public. I see. So um, it's not that's she cool. hasn't made yeah. a statement or something, but it's assumed. Yeah. So he's getting desperate now. He can't have any meaningful contact with Jodie Foster, the love of his life, who doesn't like men. Uh, and he started fantasizing about um, new ways to impress her. He wanted to. He thought of, of hijacking a plane. And then he thought, maybe I'll kill myself in front of her to get her attention. Hijacking yeah. a plane was also so hot back then, eh? Yes, yeah. What the hell was with everybody in the 70s and early 80s hijacking planes? My God. Yeah. And the killing yourself in front of her. Sure, it might impress her, <laughs> but then you're dead. Yeah. So what the heck good is that going to do? She's not going to kiss you after your brains are ever no, all over the place. No, think it through, man. It's not... Uh, gonna lead to a date number two. Exactly. Yeah. And yes, she probably will go, whoa, that's a cool guy. Whoa, that's awesome. Yeah, that's <laughs> sick, dude. You get to heaven. Did she like how I killed myself? And God's like, yeah, dude. She loved it, she bro. It was, yeah. <laughs> She's gushing and telling everyone about how cool I'll let it was. you go back to live again, but you have to live in a different person's body and feel what it's like to experience their life. So, and then you have to re-impress Jodie Foster again. <laughs> Even Hinckley, in his psychotic haze, even he realized, like, mm, maybe killing myself or hijacking a plane is a little bit silly mm. just to impress Jodie Foster. So eventually he settled on a scheme. It's more a thing you do after the third date. Yes, yeah. So he decided, no, 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 let's get serious. To impress her, he settled on a scheme uh, where he would assassinate the president. Okay. Beep, beep. <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> Okay, so, he's, so, so he thinks, I'm going to shoot Ronald Reagan. He thinks this will give him a place in history and that he thought that he, this would make him an equal. You know, joke. equal as a movie star, a guy who killed the president. And kind of a fun twist that it's taking from Taxi Driver itself. Yes, yes. I'm Shows that he paid attention to the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. surprised that um, he went that route with the gun and the shooting instead of like, you know, just working on his stand up and being able to what's that dinner where they get to roast the president like he could have got to oh get, the press secretary yeah, yeah. the press secretary's sure, sure. event gala or whatever mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah he could have done that Ro- just roast the president in front of jody foster <laughs> sure. that'd be killer yeah people like a funny guy mm-hmm. um so at this time carter is still the president so he hinkley starts trailing president jimmy carter from state to state and he was actually arrested in nashville tennessee on a firearms charge hmm. uh he had to go home back to his parents And despite receiving psychiatric treatment for depression, his mental state did not improve. Hmm. And he began to target the newly elected president, Ronald Reagan. Well, I sure hope uh, no crazy guys try to kill me today. Who has a connection to the movies himself? Yes. Bedtime for Bonzo. And... The killing. Oh, is he? Or the the killers. Right. So, yeah, in uh, 80, Reagan had been elected president uh and he started hinkley started collecting material on the assassination of jfk learning as much as he could about it Mm -hmm. so on march 28th of 1981 hinkley arrived in washington dc by bus and checked into a hotel he intended to go back to new haven to get back to stalking jodie foster but he noticed that reagan's schedule said that he was like doing some events in the next week so he stayed in washington and was like i might as well i'm here might as well kill the president while I'm here and then go back to Yale. Right? Save yourself a trip. Absolutely. So Reagan, this is, uh, remember, it's two months into his first uh, term as president. He's 70 at the time. Wow. He was 70. So he was a little bit younger than current presidents. Mm-hmm. 
He had just delivered a luncheon address to the American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organizations at the Washington, D.C. Hilton. And this was supposed to be like the safest venue for a president because the Secret Service had used it for years and years. Mm. Ever since uh, Kennedy had been assassinated, this was like sort of designed and they had a whole security procedure to make it super secure. Uh, and this is also 18, merely 18 years after JFK was killed. Right? Wow. It's weird when you think of it that way. Like if a president had been killed 18 years ago, so like 2000 and, or 2004, and, and got another one was an assassination attempt happened now. We'd yeah. be like, the United States is fucked every yes. fucking 15 years. A guy's trying to get almost getting killed. Yes. Trying to get in the president's pants in a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> And it, it, he, Hinckley did nearly succeed, as we'll get to very, very shortly. Yeah. So because the venue was so secure, the Secret Service didn't make Reagan wear a bulletproof vest, which he usually would wear oh, wow. during this day. So this is like one of a series of flukes that all added up to mm, like being fluke, very dangerous. right. Fluke. Seems like everybody on the Secret Service had a crush on Jodie Foster. Yes. <laughs> they, the, whole, the entire Secret Service wanted to impress her. <laughs> oh, they have meetings, at, clandestine meetings at night. <laughs> Tonight is the night that Jodie Foster will fall in love with us. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> will you marry us? <laughs> will you marry us? The big guys. <laughs> uh, so because of the secure nature of the event, Reagan's only public ex- public exposure would be 30 feet between leaving the hotel and entering his own limousine, his armored limousine, right? You can make 30 feet without a bulletproof vest. Come on. Right. And so the agents also weren't wearing vests that day. What was this, Shit. Casual Friday? I mean... Yeah, were they wearing Hawaiian shirts? They were wearing uh, baseball caps on. on? Put your damn bulletproof vest on. A president was just murdered 18 years yeah. ago. And Reagan were they was carrying wearing... leftover donuts and cakes? <laughs> Um, so after Reagan, thanks for laughing. <laughs> I was going to make a joke that Reagan was wearing a shirt. Get this, a shirt that says "I dare you to shoot me." Now <laughs> they were just tempting fate. Um, after Reagan's speech, as he left the hotel and walked towards the limousine, Hinckley, who was standing in a crowd of admirers, fired six shots at Reagan Shit. from a twenty-two caliber revolver and missed him. <laughs> wow! Despite all the practice and all the guns. So wait. He fired six shots. None, none hit him. None hit Reagan. So Reagan was hit indirectly, and he was seriously wounded because the sixth bullet ricocheted off the side of Reagan's presidential limousine, hit him in the chest, it grazed and broke a rib, lodged in his lung, causing the lung to partially collapse, and then the bullet stopped an inch from his heart. Oh, my God. 70-year-old man. Whoa. That's good doctoring. Yeah. And these were bullets that... Ha- they were explosive bullets as well? Oh, They my didn't God. even have computers back then. No. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> um, Nancy, will I live long enough to see computers? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, man, it's so, like, crazy that the 1976 film that Hinckley became obsessed with, in a way, were... We're kind of lucky it was Taxi Driver because it could have been Bad News Bears and then he would have <laughs> tried to join a kid's baseball team to impress Walter Matthau. <laughs> it's just one of those accidents of history. He just keeps catching fly balls in front of Walter Matthau wherever he's walking. Yeah, very impressive, kid. Yeah. <laughs> 
Or what if he'd become obsessed with Annie Hall? Yeah. Oh my God, he would have had to talk like a nerd, a neurotic nerd in <laughs> front of Diane Keaton all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's like ghosts from uh, Ibsen is happening over here all the time. Doc, Miss Keaton. So Reagan, Miss Keaton, a nerd's trying to kiss you. <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't watch Little Orphan Annie. To now that you think about it, he would have had to save a little redhead girl by unraveling his turban from a helicopter. Oh, is that how what happens in the damn movie? That's how he. Um, Jesus, oh, I forget that that character's name, but he saves. Little Orphan Annie right. from a bridge because Tim Curry... Oh, as uh, Rooster. Who, who you've been compared to. I, and I also played Rooster in high school in a production of Annie. Whoa! Oh, my God. Yet another revelation. Revelation! But yeah, so what is... Uh, yeah, Daddy Warbucks's best bud called with the turban? I forget. But yeah, he's in a helicopter and he unravels it. And a- Annie grabs on just in the nick of the time and Tim Curry falls. But mm. he falls to a net that the police oh. have laid out for him and he's busted. I heard that there's an alternate cut of the movie where you see Tim Curry's body just smash on the ground and turn to goo. Yeah. Yeah. And Annie pukes. Fuck! Little orphan Annie goes, Fuck! Didn't need to see that. <laughs> Too much reality? Daddy Warbucks. Uh, I'm going to pay for therapy. I need a fucking drink. (laughs) So when Reagan got to the hospital, he had serious internal bleeding and was close to death. Wow. Um, It actually sounds like a miracle. It sounds like a miracle he wasn't killed because the guy shoots six shots at him. Six of them. Presumably if any of them had directly hit him, it doesn't sound... Great, like yes. with these weird bullets. I mean, and he was you so said close that Hinkley him. was practicing how to yes. shoot. I don't. Th- I, I think aside from his mental problems, he needed to see an eye doctor. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was Reagan was stabilized in the emergency room and then underwent uh, emergency surgery. Hinkley also shot other people. He shot a police officer, a Secret Service agent, and critically wounded press secretary James Brady, who damn. got shot in the damn brain oh. and had brain damage for the rest of his life. I mean, to me, so far, because Reagan was fine, I mean, that's, that's the one that stands out to me, because this poor guy, he was just a press secretary. Yes. And, and was messed up for They life. did, like, the Secret Service guys literally jumped on, and they were, like, willing to do the thing of, like, taking a bullet. Wow. I don't know if there's any job I would... Take a bullet for take it. Take a bullet for my boss. You um, wouldn't do that for Sonar and, or the Evil Men. Okay, I take it back for you. For you two and for Sonar, I would take a, <laughs> a, a, a damn bullet. Yeah, the, you got. I mean, yeah, taking a bullet for someone. Also, yeah. for a president in like 1980, <laughs> like wow, yeah, so important. I mean, I'm gonna give my life up for that. <laughs> James, you'll never make it, it into the Secret it's Service. Not the du- you know, if someone's a, a, a moments from curing cancer, okay, maybe mm-hmm. I take a bullet. Um. So. As Hinckley caused chaos, there was a labor official uh, beside him who started hitting him on the head and pulled him to the ground. Uh, And then uh, a Secret Service agent dived onto Hinckley. Anyway, there's like a a melee, and they get him on the ground, they get the gun away. And the Secret Service wanted to make sure that no one killed Hinckley because they didn't want the same thing uh, that happened with Lee Harvey Oswald to happen where he got killed before he could go on trial, right? Right. So, uh, and this was a funny thing. Uh, Secret Service agent Robert Wanko (laughs) 
deployed an Uzi machine gun to keep the crowd from uh, killing Hinckley, basically. Like Robert Wanko. at to them or in the, to the sky? Uh, he just like pointed like, it. Step away, everybody. Oh. Like, leave, but yeah. that's crazy. So that, that they're essentially in this moment protecting Hinckley. They wanted him alive. Yes. So it's like everybody don't kill this guy. Yes. Because yeah. wow. everyone had guns. Secret Service had guns. Police wow. had guns. Um, Yes. And this is 1981? 1981, Ma. So Magnificent Seven by The Clash was out <laughs> at this time. So I wonder if it was playing in the vicinity right at the part where when he starts firing, yeah. um, one of the whoever it is in The Clash goes, cheeseburger. You know <laughs> I, that part? I think 1981 was also when Don't Stop Believing by Journey was released. Oh, my da, God. Da, 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 it was a great da, year for music. Da, Don't da, stop believing. Wow. I love that song, da, 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 also, once oh, in a lifetime by Talking Heads. <laughs> also, once in a lifetime by Talking Heads was out. Yeah. Oh, boom, boom. He's like, "This is it. Boom, boom. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna shoot Reagan and, yeah, Jodie Foster's gonna fall in love with me." <laughs> 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 What? A, how did I get here? Why did I shoot Ronald Reagan? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I attracted to Jodie Foster <laughs> and not Civil Shepherd? Yeah, Jodie Foster is a child. <laughs> you may ask yourself, <laughs> Why not Civil Shepherd? <laughs> As the days go by, you may ask yourself, Why uh, six shots? I can't hit the guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Great year for music. Not a great year to be Ronald Reagan. Um, or Brady, who was shot, and he was paralyzed uh, on the left side of his body until his death in 2014. Interesting fact, when Brady died in 2014, his death was ruled a homicide, even though uh, he had been shot 33 oh, wow. years earlier. Because the That's paralyzation really crazy, slowly like deteriorated his life anyways? I think so. I've never, I, That's fucking I'm really surprised that legally that what that would be categorized as. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So after the shooting... Uh, Jodie Foster suddenly is now accompanied by security guards night and day while on campus. Um, she also had other stalkers, too. Really? Hinkley wasn't the only one. There was another guy who actually went to go watch her perform in a play at Yale, who I think had a loaded gun, and he wanted to. No. He was going to kill her, but then he what? was so impressed. Another he, guy? She, she had a few stalkers. Um, Poor Jodie. And Paul Jesus, Schrader talks about too intense. taxi driver kids, people around America who were like, psychologically unsound, who really identified with Travis Bickle, and he would get their letters. He even got letters from Hinckley. The, the, writer, of, the writer of Paul Taxi Schrader, Driver? Yeah. And were you telling us this in person the other night at the comedy show that Scorsese felt like not directing movies after that? Because Taxi Driver was such a huge factor in this case yeah he did i briefly consider like i don't want to make any more movies yeah uh, obviously he you would feel weird. i mean Definitely. it is not yeah. his fault in any way no, but no. you would feel weird after yeah. um also all these stalkers for jodie foster that is really disturbing because she like, yeah. we're joking about it but she honestly looks like a she, kid she's yeah. so young and, and that is Trevor. really really disturbing. i'll read a little bit so just before hinkley checked out of his hotel to go shoot reagan he wrote his final letter to Jodie Foster. Um, Dear Jody, there is definitely a possibility that I will be killed in my attempt to get Reagan. It is for this very reason that I'm writing you this letter now. Uh, as you well know by now, I love you very much. Over the past seven months, I've left you dozens of poems. He goes on to complain that she hasn't really uh, reached out to him, that he blames himself for being shy. And here's the last paragraph. 
I will admit to you that the reason I'm going ahead with this attempt now is because I cannot wait any longer to impress you. I've got to do something now to make you understand in no uncertain terms that I'm doing all of this for your sake. By sacrificing oh, my freedom and possibly my life, I hope to change your mind about me. This letter is being written only an hour before I leave for the Hilton Hotel. Jody, I'm asking you to please look into your heart and at least give the chance with this historical deed to gain your love and respect. I love you forever. John hey, W. Hinckley. You know what, John? Why don't you do yourself a favor and maybe rent a romantic comedy or <laughs> see a Hugh Grant movie? Because that's not going to work, my friend. No. Like that? What an idiot. Yeah. Well, can't you see I'm about to do this crazy thing and maybe die and, and you'll be impressed? I mean, what is wrong with you? He's, he's going about this the entire wrong way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Poor he, Jodie Foster. Imagine getting that. You'd be like, what the fuck? Yes. She's had to deal with a lot. If I, I didn't know that she had all these obsessed stalkers on top of Hinckley. Like, what in the fudge? And she wasn't in just in... Uh, well, Hollywood is weird anyways by how they bandy about uh, uh, underage girls mm-hmm. and, like, sex them up and, like... Oh my God! Remember that girl who plays Eleven on Stranger Things? Like, as soon yeah, as Stranger Bobby Things blew up, all of a sudden they've got like her on the carpet with like makeup and it's, it's like just like it's absurd. It's very uh, like dark. And, and Jodie Foster was in a lot of movies around that time, so they were pushing her as like a co-star as a fourteen, fifteen, sixteen-year-old teenager. Mm. So it's like Hollywood is also dement. Like, it's not good for demented men that don't understand. Fact and fiction in their minds, I I assume. But she was twelve in Taxi Driver. She Whoa. was twelve. So years that's old. insane. Oh God. That's yeah. insane. Uh, but there was a good uh, hardcore uh, skate punk band that came out of it called the JFA, the Jodie Foster Army. Yes, who I really like. So you got that too, right? Um, is that them? <laughs> You can play it after. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I was going to talk about Devo as well in a minute. But oh. let's get to the trial. So at the 1982 trial for Hinckley in D.C., uh, he was charged with 13 offenses. And there was massive uproar because he, was, he pleaded insanity. And he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. And this ruling uh, caused many states, and like I think on a federal level, um, they made all sorts of reforms to how people can plead insanity and it made it much harder after this for someone to claim yeah like when they just let him go and then interview and be like so any other uh females on the horizon (laughs) any prospects out there now that you're free to go (laughs) so yeah he was found not guilty by reason of insanity and uh hinckley's defense also concluded this was interesting in the courtroom his defense played the movie taxi driver for the jury Wow. Can you imagine that? His defense did that. Yes, because they were claiming he was insane like the character Travis Bickle. So when they reveal Travis Bickle with his new army jacket and mohawk watching the governor <laughs> to be talk or whatever, is the jury like, wait, is that Hinckley or is that the actor? You got Is that footage of Hinckley? Like, why the fuck do you have to watch the movie? Yeah, and that's like when your teacher, when the school year was almost over, and your teacher just starts showing movies. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the lawyer was just like, eh, "This summer. is pretty much." Uh, it's a pretty what, easy case. Uh, Do you want to watch this movie? This kind of is what happened to Spartacus. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. But imagine that you're on the jury. Next thing you know, you got uh, popcorn yeah, and some soda. You, and they give you popcorn <laughs> and soda, and Twizzlers. Glossettes. Yeah, 
Colossus. Paul Schrader, yeah, he was approached by people the people on FBI. the jury are holding hands <laughs> and like yawn, doing the yawning thing, putting their arm around each other while they're watching Taxi Driver. <laughs> oh, oh, so the many... dick in the popcorn box <laughs> trick. <laughs> I feel like we talked about that on another we episode, did, right? Did. Yeah. <laughs> the worst thing about going to the courtroom, all those sticky floors from all the candy and yeah. soda that's yeah, been spilled. Yeah. There, Please keep you know? your feet off of the back of the chair when watching Taxi Driver <laughs> in court. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Paul Schrader, Paul Schrader, the screenwriter, uh, yeah, he was approached by the FBI. They wanted to know if he had had any contact with Hinckley or... Did you write this screenplay to plant signals in crazy guys' heads? <laughs> and Hinckley, sorry, Schrader told the FBI, I don't know anything about this guy. But in in recent years, Schrader has said, like, I had told my secretary after this just to throw away any letters we got from Hinckley. Hinckley had been writing to Schrader. Uh, so Schrader could have notified authorities uh, ahead of the assassination attempt? I don't think he got specifically... A heads up that Hinckley was going to kill the president. He just knew president. he was a crazy guy. He was just like a fan of the movie. Probably yeah. wanted to like meet Jodie Foster. And Schrader says, yes, he he called, there was a group of psycho fans he called the taxi driver kids who were obsessed with Travis Bickle and he would have to occasionally deal with them at his office uh, And they would Hollywood. make like New York yellow cabs out of cardboard and like <laughs> walk around on the street acting like they're, and go beep beep out the window and stuff. <laughs> Hey, Schrader, someday a real rain will come and wash the city streets clean. I hope. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he lied to uh, the Galdar and FBI because he didn't want to have to get involved in this massive con- uh, How conspiracy How come no one wanted thing? to assassinate anyone in politics uh, because of their obsession with Peter Boyle's character <laughs> in Taxi Driver? Is it Wizard? Is that his name? Yeah. Wizard? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like his character. I, I respond to that one. Yeah. So yeah, the verdict caused uh, widespread dismay. Hinckley um, was then confined to St. Elizabeth's Hospital in D.C. Uh, he was tested and found to be unpredictably dangerous, who might ha- a guy who might harm himself or other people again. In 83, he told the magazine Penthouse about what a typical day for him in the hospital Not was like. Not even Playboy. No, Pen- like, Penthouse yeah. is... <laughs> A lot nastier. It's to like my full, full hardcore yeah, pornography. Okay. Yeah. Nobody even knows where Penthouse comes from. Yeah, yeah you just find it. But he told uh, Penthouse about how a normal day for him kind of work. He said, "Quote: I see a therapist, answer the mail, play guitar, listen to music, play pool, watch TV, eat lousy food, and take delicious medication." Stop myself from writing a letter to Jodie Foster. I mean, I'm actually <laughs> stunned. He almost murdered the president, and it, I, I'm not saying this is seems lenient, but. I'm I'm surprised he got off as like it is crazy. Yeah. Yes. It, it does. You think he's got the, the same life as Brian Wilson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically. Just taking meds and playing guitar all day down by the beach <laughs> in a sandbox in his uh, cell. He got to. Uh, he didn't even make pet sounds. Wore a sailor hat. <laughs> so he's there. Yeah, it is surprising he wasn't that there wasn't some like. Law of like you try and kill the president's like the death sentence or something. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, you think like especially like the pride of the the United States, like they just have someone like that treasonous like eviscerated yes. like, into molecules. Yeah. So he's in hospital then for a number of years. Starting in the late eighties, he starts applying for like to be able to leave and have more visits with his parents. And gradually, as the years go by, 
the they will, he's like allowed to like visit his parents in Virginia. Uh, he has to be supervised. He has to have a cell phone with a GPS in it so he can be monitored at all times. Probably like one of those Zach Morris ones that were huge. You yes. Know? Yeah. <laughs> at least us free guys don't have cell phones that are monitored all the time, right, guys? <laughs> yeah. I'm not a loser like Hinkley. <laughs> no, none of us are. We're free as hell. <laughs> Sorry. In- okay. 2019, his old friend Music comes back into the picture. Uh, in around 2019, or sorry, 2009, Hinckley recorded a song called "Ballad of an Outlaw," which the his I don't know prosecutors claim uh, reflected suicide and lawlessness. And he he really is he literally was an outlaw. Um, in 2011, uh, a forensic psychologist testify that Hinckley has recovered to the point that he poses no imminent risk or danger to himself or others. Nevertheless, he wasn't released from hospital. In 2016, John Hinckley Jr., a federal judge ruled that Hinckley could be released from his psycho prison uh, hospital as he was no longer considered a threat. So he was required to live at his mother's home in Williamsburg, Virginia, and he had a number of... um, There are a number of prohibitions and requirements were imposed on him. He uh, here's just a list of some of them. So this is a grown man we're talking about. Not allowed to drink alcohol, own guns, uh, contact Reagan's family, Brady's family, or Jodie Foster, Foster's agent as well. He can't own any memorabilia related to Jodie Foster or her movies. he was not allowed to. That one hurts. Watch or listen to violent movies. I want movies. that Jodie Foster mug. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't see Silence of the Lambs or get a T-shirt. Um, he wasn't allowed to watch like violent movies or watch or, or listen to music. Not allowed to access online pornography. Right. Uh, he wasn't allowed to talk to the press, and he had to work three days a week, uh, and he had to record his uh, browser history. In case I mean, the police came knocking, I I'm not a hardliner guy at all, but I feel strange <laughs> that he's just out there in the world. Does anyone else? And he, if, if anything, for his Jodie Foster stuff, yes. more than almost anything else, he was rejected by his mother's hometown. I was reading that uh, he like applied for jobs in like a grocery store or to work at the library, and everyone was like, "We're yeah, good, <laughs> no, no thanks." So yeah, it's tough. It's okay if no one bags the groceries <laughs> yeah um oh honey funny thing today john hinckley bagged my groceries at iga i see here that there's a substantial gap on your resume between uh 1980 and 2016 can you tell me what you were doing between those years <laughs> not thinking about anything <laughs> under special skills it says that you are the ultimate lover that jody foster needs and she just doesn't know it yet <laughs> How about this to and to go also back you play guitar. <laughs> to go back to all those terrible jokes I made at the beginning? Um, maybe his family's influence had something to do with oh that's his interesting, uh, treatment. Maybe that's a great, very interesting. Point. Also, I should have brought this up. His father, a Texas oil man, knew Vice President George Herbert Walker Bush. Wow, you know what? They were oil right. people, oil people from Texas. And mm. that is not really talked about. It's not even in the Wikipedia. I found it on a different article. Something tells me that there were some strings pulled to Beca- keep him so from being elected. So the Illuminati has gotten to the Wikipedia. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, we obviously <laughs> don't know. But it, it just hearing the story, it seems absolutely insane that this man is just hanging out right now and has the internet. And they're like, please don't look at 
porno, porn, yes. and it's like, yeah. What about Max? Please don't watch any Jodie Foster movies. So, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. How do you enforce nuts. that every day? So, so maybe that. I mean, he has this really influential, rich family. I mean, it it would make sense. Yeah, like my son, he's always been a little bit nutty. And it's like that song, "Excitable." Put a boy bullet in Reagan by Warren Zevon. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah, he's just an excitable boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that song pretty heavy yeah I feel like if it's like this like if wayne gretzky's daughter tried to kill the prime minister she probably would get a lighter sentence than you know <laughs> me you know yeah 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 so She's um pretty just <laughs> yep. just recently on june 15th of 2022 just a week ago basically hinkley received a full unconditional release no more, uh, you know, banning banned from alcohol. He can alcohol. buy a gun. He can watch all the porno he wants. He can see um, every Jodie Foster film. Can he buy a gun? I don't think know, so. I think it's a full <laughs> unconditional release, on? right? And didn't he get a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Academy Awards? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> when he was when he shot Reagan, I think it was the night before the Oscars, and while he was being detained by the Secret Service, he asked one of them. He was like, "Do you think that they'll?" They'll postpone the Oscars, and they did, <laughs> and they put them on two nights later. Um, Whoa! And Reagan had pre-recorded a message. Strangely, mm. now Hinckley's been in the news not only for being released, but because music is has, has never been a bigger part of his life. And if you go to his YouTube page, he has all sorts of uh, <laughs> low production quality videos of him singing like "Blown in the Wind" or. Can't Help Falling in Love by Elvis, along with some originals. I can't believe he's just on the internet. Yep. I sort of thought he was dead. 24,000 YouTube followers as well. Wow, a lot more than us. Yeah. Uh, he, that is sad to think. Uh, but we have never been as famous as him for trying to kill the president. Yeah, true. Or a rich Texan. Um, yeah. His originals surprised me. I listened to a song called We Have Got That Chemistry and another one called You Let Whiskey Do Your Talking. They're very like country rock. I wasn't expecting that. Like they're very heavily like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pedal steel guitar, violin kind of stuff. Oh. He's a country guy. Is it good? What was the song that you sent us? Uh, it sounded a bit creepy. I think it was called like Everything Will Be Okay or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, apparently you're you're free. Yeah, his, say that to a mirror. <laughs> his voice sounds so. First of all, he's not the best looking guy right now. Nor was he ever, even back in the day. Mm. He sort that of that might have been it. He has a vacant sort of look in his eyes, the kind of look in the eyes of a person who's been heavily medicated, maybe for three decades, mm-hmm. four decades. And his voice also sounds like it's uh, coming from like a like a sewer or something, mm-hmm. like uh, the abyss. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's coming from the back of his con- unconscious. Yes. Wow. So, so BTS doesn't need to worry. Yeah. So his concert was just canceled in Brooklyn, right? Damn, dude. Oh, the hell? Earlier in the spring, there was like, people were joking because some venue in Brooklyn called the Market Hotel was like, John Hinckley Jr. is playing a concert here. And just last week, they canceled the show because they said that they had received threats and they didn't want to make anyone attending uh, the show unsafe in case anything happened. Hinkley had been had received threats as well. Um, so if you know if he can't play, if Hinkley can't play in Brooklyn, I don't know where he's going to get to play. Was John Hinkley like what kind of world do we live in where 
a regular man gets death threats in the mail. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is cancel culture run amok. Well, he actually told, <laughs> he told the New York Times, he said, quote, I watch the news like everybody else. We're living in very, very scary times, to be honest. I would have only gone on with the show if I was going to feel safe at the show and feel that the audience was going to be safe. Okay. Jesus That's reasonable. fucking Christ. That's like Freddy Krueger being like, I can't sleep tonight. I, I'm tossed and turned, scared of my dreams. That's how Freddy talks. The Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation uh, has come out in opposition of Hinckley's unconditional release, and they wrote a statement saying that they were saddened and concerned that John Hinckley Jr. will soon be unconditionally released and intends to pursue a music career for profit. I mean, I kind of agree with them. Yeah. Now, wouldn't Ronald Reagan... my dad, man. Ronald Reagan was all about, you know, uh, small business people and big business. Right. Wouldn't he have wanted a guy to, uh, you know, c- cash in and get some money in his yeah, pocket? Yeah, I guess that's a good point. He would Keep admire his... his low uh, and he'll spend more <laughs> money and hire people himself. Yeah. yeah, he would admire his ambition, I guess. Yeah. His, uh, yeah, pull up your uh, bootstraps kind of spirit. After Reagan got shot, he never... Uh, was out in like an open space ever again as president. Wow. They kept him very uh, secure, and I think the Secret Service changed their protocols to make sure no president uh, right. was probably vulnerable. Just, I re- do, do you remember at the Obama inauguration, and he did his speech outside, and I remember, I was like, oh, dear God, I'm kind of scared that someone's going to try to shoot him. Yeah. But uh, they must just take crazy precautions now that they maybe didn't. I was clearly. reading there's a perimeter system where they have rings of security. Definitely. From mm. That emanate out from the president to keep it as secure as possible. Damn. Yeah. And the, the <clears throat> Lee Harvey Oswald thing where you can just be in like a window. <laughs> like, no. They yeah. go into every building, top of every building. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. crazy. Wow. One little fact I forgot to mention is that uh, Hinckley, while in his psychiatric prison, uh, he became engaged to a female inmate as well, a woman who had been uh, put in there for killing her 10-year-old daughter. Not Jodie Foster. God. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it was a so woman. So there isn't a happy ending to this story. They don't get together. No, and she, yeah, uh, they never took their vows together. I, I don't know if she left him at the altar or if he called it off because he got cold feet, but it didn't happen. Or, or when the priest goes, uh, if anyone has any reason these two shouldn't be married. <laughs> well, I have a reason. Old <laughs> <laughs> well, Reagan's at the prison wedding. <laughs> well, shall I get the evilometer out? Sure. But be careful that uh, you have a security guard uh, accompany you because, <laughs> so you don't get shot on the way. Uh, a very good point. Yeah. All right, here we go. Um, let's just get it. And oh, there we go. The evilometer is here. <laughs> Gentlemen, <laughs> um, who wants to go first? Uh, maybe Chris this week, eh? I'm going to give Hinkley um, a six mm-hmm. because... What he did to Brady is really hurts me for some reason. I know we, it's so funny. Every me episode too. we talk about really heinous guys and uh, they do way more. It's just the mood I'm in. Uh, and because it's still like in our generation, like our lifetime kind of. It's like a guy who is just doing his job is like the, the idea of like being permanently paralyzed for the rest of your life instead of just dead, is almost kind of harder I mean, to take. It's the same like with the Christopher Dorner episode where it was that he murdered 
like the daughter yeah. of the yeah, judge. Yeah, and that to me, I was like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's. I, uh, I just can't get that out of my head. I have yeah. to give you a bad score now. Because... Yeah, the six is for uh, mental illness misguided by his mental illness. Yeah. Of course, they're drowning him in meds now by the sounds of it, and that's why they think he can live another life again. Also, I'm sure the influence of his family is a big part of that. But sometimes it's hard when the crazy guys have like an undiagnosed or un... Well, he did tell his sister he's taking the meds and they weren't working, right? Yeah. So maybe he went unchecked by his own family and loved ones. I don't know. But it's the thing is, is like he's not like, I'm a murderer, I'm going to kill everybody. But he was very severely mentally ill and misguided. So That's it's not as like point. I'm 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 the devil incarnate. In you his what I'm reality, saying? he was probably wasn't as heinous as it, in his mind. To as him, as it, as trying it to shoot to Reagan was like getting a bouquet of flowers yeah. and some chocolates, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is demented as fuck. But I think I'm going to agree with you and and give you give him a six point eight. Like, uh, <laughs> how is that not a seven? I'm I'm I do it on a, a scale of a hundred basically. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's just that's just what I that's just how I do I'm it. I'm always, specific. I'm always whole number. I like it. Yeah. Um, I just go number. Boom. Yeah. I, I pretty much agree with what you say, what you say. I mean, I I really don't like the things he did, but I guess you give him a lower score because he was mentally ill. I don't know. And also didn't seem like he was going to go on a rampage, a murderous rampage for the rest of his life. Yeah. Like he was just... The, the Jodie Foster stuff too, I that, feel Well, that, now let's think about it. Yeah, because it's like, what would he have done yeah. if he was close to Jodie Foster? I mean, 6. That's 8, fucking 6, frightening. 6.8 is still a high score. 6.8 I mean. is good. <laughs> this is still I agree a, with 6.8 as well. Again, Hitler is a 10. Yeah, that's the thing. We've got some so real bastards it. on this show. Yeah. So, yeah, Michael? I'm giving... Ronald Reagan a ten. Uh, I if if Hinckley hadn't done the Jodie Foster stuff and made her feel unsafe, I would give him like a three. <laughs> yeah, but he did that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I also will give him a bad mark for being a bad marksman. Uh, six shots very close to the president missed him all six times. Mm-hmm. That is very funny. Mm-hmm. And then him doing it. Just not even knowing that he, he literally stood no chance with Jodie Foster. Um, I'll give him also a, a 6.8. Hey, cool. That might be the first time we've ever had the exact same score. Yeah. I feel bad that I got lower with it just a straight up 6. No. I'm not <laughs> trying to be lenient score. on anybody on this show. It's a reasonable say, score. <laughs> yeah, no matter the score, I'm not trying to be lenient on any of these people. Also, I want to say before we finish... That he really did get the movie Taxi Driver wrong. <laughs> because Travis Bickle was not trying to impress Jodie Foster. He was trying to save her. And when he was trying to shoot the governor... The uh, senator running for president. Senator, oh, yeah. fuck. Sorry, I, I got the story mixed up myself. But he was trying to impress Sybil Shepard. Yeah. What the fuck? He, the, again, we're going back to this. What's wrong with Sybil Shepard? She, yeah. she is, is awesome. She was the stone fox of the 70s. She made... Peter, uh, what's his name? Uh, Paul? Peter Boyle? No, Peter, uh, uh, Paper Moon, uh, Last Picture Show. Peter Peter Bogdanovich Bogdanovich ruined his marriage for her. (laughs) Yeah. Literally. I wonder if when the shooting happened and all the Jodie Foster stuff came out in the the press, if Sybil Shepard was like, what am I, chopped liver? Uh, Yeah, she probably was like, okay. Yeah, we might be really underselling that, again, yeah, Jodie Foster was uh, a kid. Yes. Uh, yes. That really also. adds on a, a, another layer too. That's not good. 
Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's like you got a fully grown, fully fleshed out, beautiful woman <laughs> right over there. So your plea is for age appropriate relationships. Jodie Foster should have had like, yeah, fans that were like still watching you know, like the uh, Smurfs. What's that? If uh, a 12 year old boy had shot Reagan to impress her, I would understand that. <laughs> Yeah, with a fucking slingshot. Like Dennis, if Dennis the Menace flung a rock at Ronald Reagan, okay, then we'll talk. <laughs> or threw a paper airplane. Yeah. Oh, paper Ow. airplane went in my eye, Nancy. <laughs> Nancy, a guy who likes children shot me. And then the Secret Service like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if we're if we're wrapping up, I just wanted to give a shout out. I think, Mike, if you're up for it, we were going to play as outro music a new Evil Men, uh, what would you call it, remix by Rob Dunn. He sent it to us. It's a cool Evil Men song, so we're going to play that as a as our outro today. But I just wanted to give a shout out to Rob Dunn for because it's. I think the song is really cool. We're excited to play it. Thank you. Thank Rob. you so much. That's awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, to another great episode of Evil. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!